I want to welcome you again to Cottondale Baptist Church. And this morning we're going to continue our series called Journey Through the Bible. Last week we talked about the Psalms or the songs of the King. Now this week we're going to talk about is Proverbs. Proverbs, wisdom for life. But before we do, let's pray together one more time. Father, we thank you now for this opportunity and privilege to hear your word. I pray, Lord, that you would grant me to speak the truth, Lord, and only the truth. That you would move by the power of your Holy Spirit, impressing your word, God, upon our hearts, that we might, as your redeemed people, be wise, truly wise. And give us, O Lord, um, the wisdom that can only come from God, the wisdom that is found in Jesus Christ. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Now, you may have wondered, kind of like I have before, about the book of Proverbs. Because at the beginning, it says that Solomon is the primary author. We know he didn't author all all of the Proverbs, but most likely most of them, he authored or compiled them together. And and, uh, Solomon was, of course, uh, granted by God to be the wisest man who ever lived with divine wisdom from heaven. And yet, of course, if you've ever read the story of Solomon, you realize... That even though he was the wisest man at one point who ever lived, Solomon died a fool. He explicitly disobeyed God's command concerning a plurality of wives. And uh, you can wonder then how this could happen, how Solomon could be so wise and yet die a fool. And yet actually it's one of Solomon's own Proverbs that gives us the answer. Proverbs 19.27 Stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. In other words, the Christian life, the life of obedience to God is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And if you ever turn away from wisdom, if you ever stop listening to instruction, you'll stray from the words of knowledge. So our charge today from the book of Proverbs is to hear, believe, and obey the wisdom from God. Let us learn wisdom for life. So now we're going to read our passage this morning from Proverbs chapter 1. So if you're able and willing, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction... To understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The Word of God. You may be seated. 
<clears throat> First thing I want to ask this morning is what is wisdom? What is wisdom? We've talked about it before, but it's worth uh, going over again. We all have an intuitive sense about what wisdom is, but when you actually try to define it in concise terms, we actually realize it's not that easy. We, we intuitively know that it's more than just mere knowledge. So, for example, we know people who are very knowledgeable, but who we would not call wise. So we intuitively know that, but if it's not mere wisdom, if it's not mere knowledge, then well, what is it? Well, one shot at a biblical definition is this, is that wisdom is living skillfully in view of reality. Wisdom is living skillfully in view of reality. Now, when we think about the book of Proverbs, you know, compared to other books, compared to other books, it doesn't seem as God-focused, if you will. It, It seems to just give these little sayings that Many of them seem to have no relationship to God, but rather uh, just uh, little, little uh, uh, shots of advice, if you will, for various situations in life. But of course, I would say that overall that would be a, a, a very poor reading of Proverbs, although some have argued that, because references to God throughout, all, or throughout the entirety of the book. And... Per my definition of wisdom, that is living skillfully in view of reality, then one, by, de- by that definition, cannot be wise unless you acknowledge God, because God is ultimate reality. In other words, if we ignore God, then our entire understanding of reality is wrong, because we are basing our whole perspective on the world on a, on a falsehood, namely that God isn't. When he is. So in other words, if we reject the most fundamental truth that God is and that he created and thus owns everything and that he is guiding and controlling history and that we are accountable to him for our lives and that our present beliefs and conduct will affect our future eternities forever. If all that is true, then you cannot be wise unless you live in view of that. Because, because... No matter how successful you are in worldly wealth or acclaim or contentedness, if you don't live in view of God, if you don't live in view of God, you may well be the most content person on earth but end up the most miserable person in hell. And if that is the case, then guess what? You were a fool the whole time. You were a fool the whole time. Because this life is short and fleeting, but eternity is long. And to not live in view of our eternal destinies is to be a fool. I would to God this morning that no one would be an eternal fool. But that you would hear the pleadings of Solomon who didn't even take his own advice. And be wise. And listen to what God has to say because he wants us to be wise. All of this confirms what the Proverbs themselves have to tell us. Proverbs 1.7, we just read. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Proverbs 15.33. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. Proverbs 19.23. The fear of the Lord leads to life. 
And whoever has it rests satisfied, he will not be visited by harm. Wisdom is living skillfully in view of reality. And so what I want to do this morning with the remainder of my time is two things. I want to just trace a few themes in Proverbs. There are a lot. There's no way I could touch all of them. But I just want to trace out a few themes in Proverbs so that we can get a feel of, a kind of a feel of the contours of what biblical wisdom is. And then the final thing I want to do is explain the greatest wisdom that we have from God. That is how the Proverbs point to Jesus Christ, our Savior. So first here, themes in Proverbs. The first, uh, first major theme that we see in the book of Proverbs is the theme of punishment and reward. Punishment and reward. Over and over in the book of Proverbs, he is constantly warning others and he's telling them, he's, he's pleading with them to be wise because he says this, God, as a general principle in life, those who reject God, those who lack integrity, those who act foolishly, those who deceive and manipulate others, those who live unrighteous lives over and over in the book of Proverbs, he, he wants you to know that you will be punished. There is a punishment that comes with foolishness, with sin, with disobedience, with a lack of integrity. Proverbs eleven twenty one: Be assured an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Proverbs 15, 25, the Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. Proverbs 16, 5, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Be wise, my friends. Let me tell you something. Your sin will find you out. It always happens. It happens in politics every day. And if it doesn't happen on this side, believe me, it'll happen on the other. Your sin will always find you out. That's why we must confess it. Repent of it. And be forgiven of it before it's too late. But not only is there punishment for the wicked, but the Proverbs also tell us is that there's reward for the righteous. So the wise wise person not only flees wickedness and evil and deceit, for they know it will bring punishment, but the wise person also strives to cultivate a heart of righteousness and of love and of of integrity in public and in private. The wise person seeks the Lord and runs to him in times of trouble. The Bible says that God rewards the righteous. Proverbs 12, 2. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil devices he condemns. Proverbs 15, 29, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Proverbs 16, 20, Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Proverbs 18, 10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. And so we find these general principles that the Bible is trying to teach us, is trying to teach us to be wise. Flee sin. Paul told Timothy to flee youthful lusts. Live in righteousness. Live in integrity. Be consistent in your life, in public and in private. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Do what is right, even when it's going to hurt you, even when it's going to cost you. Walk in the fear of God, knowing that he sees and knows. Because if you don't, rest assured, 
It will come with its punishment. But if you do, rest assured, it will come with its reward. So the first thing we see is punishment and reward. A second major theme in the book of Proverbs is humility. Humility, or, or another way we might, we might put it, is teachability. Someone who is teachable. A wise person, the Bible says, is of necessity humble. The wise person does not assume that they have it all figured out, that they're always right. The wise person takes, the wise, biblically wise person takes a humble posture. They don't presume that everything's about them. But rather they take the posture of Christ who came not to be served, but to serve. And give their lives in service to others. There is not an air of superiority about them. They think little about themselves and much about God and others. It is the humble person who the book of Proverbs says God will bless. Proverbs 3.34. Towards the scorners he is scornful. But to the humble he gives favor. Proverbs 11.2. When pride comes then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 15.33. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. Proverbs 22.4. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. God sees the humble in heart. You don't have to, if you're humble in heart, see, you, don't have, you don't have to fight for yourself because God fights for you. You don't have to, you don't have to uh, fight for your cause because God fights for you. You don't have to assert yourself because God is watching after you. But the opposite of a humble person is the proud or the arrogant The proud assumes that they know it all, that they're automatically right and everyone else is wrong. A key characteristic of the proud in the book of Proverbs is they won't listen. They won't listen. You try to talk to them and they're more concerned about what they have to say than about what, about about what, listening to other people and having an abundance of counselors. They think they know when in reality they really don't. And the Proverbs calls such a person a fool. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 18, 2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Ever met anybody like that? Proverbs 9, 8, do not, pre- re- do not reprove a scoffer or he'll hate you. Reprove a wise man and he'll love you. You can learn a lot about a person by how they respond to criticism. Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. You see, this this is ironic, isn't it? Because the Bible is saying that the person who is sure that they're wise is a fool. And the person who knows that they have a lot to learn is wise. It's ironic. It's the opposite of what you would expect. Those who understand that they have much to learn. Those who are willing to listen and to hear and to think and to not uh, assume that they have it all figured out. And and are willing to be, at times, be corrected is a wise person. Closely related to the the proud and arrogant person who won't live, uh, uh, who who doesn't live wisely, is those uh, those who think sin is a joke. I thought, this, I thought this was worth mentioning because it really happens. It really happens. 
I mean, the, the, the easiest example to think of is, is kids, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a kid. But some people just think doing wrong is a joke. Or at certain times in your life or in certain friends groups, it's like getting away with a lie or getting away with stealing something or doing something wrong is like a joke. It's like playing a game. It's like a rite of passage to get away with something like that. Proverbs speaks to that. Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. Proverbs 10.23, doing wrong is like a joke to a fool. But wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. You see, some, some just, they, they, they kind of brush sin off by saying, oh, I was just joking. It's just joking, but sin is not a joke. Be wise. He says, be wise, be humble, be teachable. There is great blessing and wisdom and humility. A third theme of Proverbs that we see that's quite prominent in the book is the theme of sexuality. Few, he has to talk about it. Why? Because few things have destroyed more individuals and family than illicit sexual relations. And much of Proverbs is like a father pleading with his son. Right? We know this. We have loved ones who have made foolish decisions that has destroyed their lives. And the book of Proverbs is like a father pleading with us saying, don't be a fool. Please, don't be a fool. Be wise. And what he says regarding sexual relations is this. If you try to take something in a sexual relationship that does not belong to you, namely any type of sexual activity outside the marriage of a man and a woman in covenant relationship life, then he is saying you are setting yourself up for utter destruction. Proverbs 5, 7 and following. Now, O sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Let strangers, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed and you say, How I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ears to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. That's the destiny of those who embrace foolishness with the sexuality, who reject God's good, kind, gracious design for marriage. And there is a positive side as well. There's a positive side as well, which might make you blush. Proverbs 18. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. And he ponders all his paths. Some of you say, now, pastor, you need to slow down with all that Bible reading in church. <laughs> let me tell you something. It's in the book. And let me tell you something. If you don't tell your children what God thinks about sexuality, no one's going to. And because we have not taken this responsibility seriously and 
everyone, including the culture, movie, radio, news show hosts, everyone has been telling our kids what to think about sexuality except us. And we wonder why the world's the way it is. We have to talk about it. And we have to tell them, God made it and it's good. And you find you a husband, Lord willing, if that's God's will for you. Not everyone gets married, but if it's God's will for you, you find you a husband, you find your wife, you delight in them, you enjoy them, you serve them in covenant relationship for the rest of your life and delight in what God has given to you. But if you embrace something outside of God's plan, believe me, it will destroy you. It will. There's no doubt about it. The wise, humble, godly person realizes that sexuality is a gift given by God to be treasured and protected and to break God's design will be to face the consequences. Final theme of wisdom I want to talk about this morning is uh, the concept of God's sovereignty. It's another theme that's prominent in the book of Proverbs. You see, the book of Proverbs gives general principles for life, things that are generally true, and as such, they are not to be taken as a foolproof promise. Rather, they're just, they're just to, to say how things generally work. And so when it says things like God blesses the righteous, of course, that's generally true. But it's not meant to be a nuanced statement of all reality because we know, for example, that there are exceptions. The greatest exception being Jesus Christ. The most righteous man who ever lived was crucified unjustly. And so what the Proverbs about God's sovereignty do is they give us some balance that even though these principles are generally true, God in the end is the ultimate determiner of what's going to happen. First and fascinating verse is, is uh, Proverbs 21.1 says that God is so- sovereign over our hearts. It says the king's heart is the stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. It's mysterious. By God's providence over our hearts. Not only that, but God is in control of the direction of our lives. Proverbs 20, 24. A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in the, man of, in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. In other words, we can plan, plan, plan all we want, and we should plan. That's what the Proverbs is about. Another proverb says, consider the ant, O sluggard, and be wise. Work hard, plan, think, act, do. But at the end of the day, in in all your plans and all your wisdom, you better entrust your plans to the Lord, because guess what? He's the one in control of whether it's going to work out or not. He's the one who ultimately determines our steps. How about this? Fascinating verse. God is sovereign ultimately over evil. Proverbs 16, 4. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Proverbs 21, 1. And this final verse here, it says, God's will prevails over all. Proverbs 21, 30 and following. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. God, the the final theme of Proverbs is that God is in control. Again, why? What's the basis of wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
That is, to be truly, truly wise, we have to account for the ultimate reality, and that is that God is. That he's in control. And so it's our grace and it's our privilege to come to him with our plans and with our prayers. And the final thing I want to talk about this morning is this. It's it's the greatest wisdom from God. The greatest wisdom from God. You see, in Proverbs, we learn what it means to be wise in life, to live skillfully in view of reality. But the Proverbs themselves are insufficient to give us ultimate wisdom from God because the greatest wisdom we've received from God is not perfectly good counsel, but a perfectly good person. Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, Colossians 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding in the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ is wisdom from God. Jesus Christ is the fountainhead of all wisdom and knowledge. You cannot know anything as you ought to know unless you have had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus is the point of it all. Jesus is the reason everything exists. The reason why the stars burn, the reason why your heart beats, is for Jesus Christ to get the glory that he deserves and for you to get the joy of knowing the one for whom you were made. In Jesus is all the wisdom of God. Christ is the center of it all. Revelation 21, 22, 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Jesus is first in all things. There is no wisdom apart from Christ. Christ is the ultimate reality. Paul, when he was preaching to the the Gentiles, the, the, the Athenians, uh, in, a- in Athens, there on Mars Hill, he said, he, said, he, he, he said that there was a God who made everything, who appointed their times and their places so that they might reach out to him and find him. And then he goes on to say this. He says that God has, a, has appointed a man who will judge the world, and of this he has given proof to all by raising him from the dead. That is a... <laughs> What does that mean? It means Jesus Christ is the center. He is the one. He is the one who is appointed by God who rules over all the earth. He is the one that all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to. He is the center of it all. There is no wisdom apart from Christ. And so to be truly wise, we must live in view of him. 
And it's true that in our increasingly secular culture, what I'm talking about is becoming increasingly laughable. And not just laughable, it's becoming intolerable. Why? Why? Because Christians, we as Christians, we have the audacity to believe that we don't get to make the rules. We don't get to make the rules. No, I can't do whatever I want with my body. Why? Because someone else owns it. It doesn't belong to me. Only in Christ can we be wise because if it is reality, and it is, that Christ is real, that he has made us, that he is coming back for us, that we belong to him, that everyone will have to give an account, the Bible says, of every idle word we have spoken to him one day. If that is true, then we can't be wise without him. And that if Jesus Christ is who the Bible says he is, then, we ha- then he has total prerogative to make the rules, and we have no basis on which to correct him on the basis of our fleeting feelings, appetites, or desires. Christ is wisdom from God. And what we see here is that Christ has turned worldly wisdom up on its head. Because in the world, the things that the world values is fame, acclaim, wealth, power, prestige, success, comfort, contentment. That's the things the world values. But Jesus Christ, when he came, even though he was the almighty Lord of all, the Bible says this is what he did. Philippians 2.6, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The greatest being who ever lived, the creator of the universe, the one who made us and who owns us, he came down and became a servant, a slave. If the worldly wisdom is correct, then Jesus was a fool. But if heavenly wisdom is correct, then Jesus was the wisest person who ever lived. Because he perfectly obeyed his father and gave us an example to follow, turning, turning worldly wisdom completely on its head. This is what Jesus taught his disciples in Mark 10. Says Jesus called to them and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus is the great wisdom from God because Jesus totally contradicts everything our world values. And so to be truly wise, we have to embrace Jesus' wisdom, and that is that the way up is down. The way high is low. The greatest servants on this world, 
in this world will be the greatest kings in the next. The, I have no doubt that the, the people, there will be many people who are closest to the throne of heaven who shine most brightly with the glory of God in the next age will be people you and I have never heard of. Because they served quietly, patiently, sacrificially without a word. You see, the gospel turns everything on its head. And this, even in Paul's day, even in Paul's day, this was the scandal of Jesus Christ. This was the scandal of the gospel. Why? Because to the Jews, a crucified Messiah was blasphemy. To the Greeks, a crucified king was utter foolishness. But to God, a crucified Savior was the power and wisdom of God. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1. It says, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If you're going to be really wise, you're going to have to be content being thought of as a fool in the eyes of the world. Why would you do that? Why would you do that for me? Why would you give that much? Why would you go to another land and give up and, and, and sell everything that you have to tell people who hate you about Jesus Christ? Why would you do that? It only makes sense if Jesus Christ is Lord. But if Jesus Christ is Lord, then guess what? It makes perfect sense. Wow. Because Jesus has turned the wisdom of the world on its head. The way up is down. The way high is low. The least shall be the greatest in Jesus Christ. And I would today, as I close, I would today that everyone in this room would be truly, truly wise. May God teach us to be truly, truly wise. That's what, that's what the whole... That's what, Jesus was, that's what Jesus taught over and over. Remember, he said things like, store up your treasure in heaven. Why? Because moths can't eat it. Rust can't destroy it. Thieves can't steal it. What's he trying to tell you to do? He's trying to tell you to be wise. Why? Because everything in this world will burn up, but whatever you give to Christ lasts forever. Including yourself. You give yourself to Jesus Christ. You bow the knee to him. You believe in him, his life, his death, his resurrection from the dead, paying the penalty for our sins, conquering the penalty for our sins. He's given us sure hope that one day if we believe in him, he will raise us from the dead and live forever with him. And he will come back to judge the living and the dead. And on that day, no matter how foolish we look in the eyes of the world, when Christ comes in his glory, our wisdom will be made known to all. Because we have trusted in our Savior. Be wise today and trust in Jesus Christ. Let's pray.
Thank you, Lord, for we.